HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Kermit Lynch Wine Merchant. Learn more at KermitLynch.com. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. On today's episode, we are rejoined by Devin DeWolf. You might remember Devin, who joined us last year when we spoke about Feed the Frontline, his initiative in New Orleans to feed all the frontline workers who are facing coronavirus. We discuss what he's learned within the year and how he continues to do initiatives to help his beloved city. He tells us about Feed the Second Line, Nola Bean Coin, and a couple other ways in which he's helping New Orleans address a poverty and inequality gap. Later in the show, we dip into our archives with an incredible improvisational performance by our friends Tippy Toes. So sit back, relax, and here's another episode of Snacky Tunes on HRN. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, Snacky Tunes.
Hello, and welcome to Snacking Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz. On the show today, we have Devin DeWolf rejoining us. Devin, welcome back to Snacky Tunes. Thank you. Thanks for having me on today. So for those of you who might not remember, Devin joined us at the beginning of the pandemic last year. Um, I reached out to him about Feed the Frontline, uh, which was started on March 17th, which essentially fed the frontline workers of New Orleans. Your wife was uh, a frontline worker. Um, you hired musicians um, to deliver meals, and it was an incredible ecosystem. Um, before we get into your newest and most recent efforts, how are you? I'm well, yeah. It's a beautiful day in New Orleans, and uh, everybody in my family's healthy. So we're, uh, we're, we're doing good. And one year and maybe a few weeks change uh, after starting Free the Frontline. What, what can you tell us? What was accomplished? What was achieved? Uh, yeah, so this has um, been a really crazy year, obviously, not just for uh, New Orleans, but for pretty much everybody around the world. And um, given the, the challenge of the year, I just felt like it was good to try to do some good. And um, our first initiative, Feed the Frontline, was kind of just like a spur of the moment sort of thing. Um, and it grew really quickly. And in six weeks, we basically fed every hospital, ER, and ICU in New Orleans. Um, I'm pretty sure we were the largest operation in America. Um, we raised a million dollars and we spent a million dollars basically in six weeks uh, with zero dollars spent on the administration. Um and we were able to hire a bunch of musicians, as you said, to deliver stuff. Uh, but more importantly, that experience taught us a lot, uh, especially about building a big, complex operation uh, out of thin air and how to effectively fundraise using grassroots fundraising. And we sort of took all those lessons and then reapplied them to do more good for New Orleans. So we've had like four other initiatives. And collectively, we've been able to generate $2 million worth of aid, um, which has supported, you know, 49 restaurants and uh, I've created jobs for 186 people now. Um, we've supported 10 neighborhood bars. We've uh, inspired our city with house floats. So there's all kinds of different things that we've done. And some of them are short term, like spur of the moment, like Feed the Frontline was. Um, and some of them are long-term and that's, you know, feed the second line and trying to rethink like, uh, how can we make a better version of our city? And we're going to touch on those in a moment, but remind me, did you have a history of activism and, and doing nonprofit work before feed the front line? Not really, but being a crew organizer is sort of like being a community organizer. (laughs) Um, so in a sense, I did have experience organizing people to do stuff, uh, because of our parade and it's really a similar skill set. You know, I had to learn how to get sponsors and I had to get, you know, crew members to volunteer for XYZ initiative that we were doing pre COVID. Um, and luckily I just kind of had that skill set and was able to put it to use to try to help. Do you think that there was anything particular about New Orleans' sense of community that made these efforts easier? Uh, or do you think that this is something that could be stood up in any any city? Um, I think New Orleans has a history of catastrophe. Um, and I think that that makes the people who live here sort of um, 
understanding that we're all in it together because something might occur and we got to stick together. And I think that that's probably been the case since the founding of the city, you know, and um, it's also a city of great inequality. And so we understand that um, there's a lot of need in our city and, you know, it's not a wealthy place really. And it's a highly unequal place. And what that does is it creates kind of a moral moment where we just got to try something to, to help support people. And um, I think that's a combination of elements that probably makes our city a little bit different than other places. Uh, and before we get to the new initiatives, um, you know, this last year has been filled with so many heartbreaking stories and, and so much loss and sadness. Uh, is there one particular moment of joy from Freed the Frontline that you can share, something that you think will stay with you for the, the years and decades? Um, I think uh, joy comes in little tiny slivers of hope. Um, and that's kind of the thing that um, maybe comes to mind first. When I walk around or drive around my city, there's people with the signs still in their window. And that to me is... Um, is a little bit of, uh, I have pride in seeing that stuff because I, I can tell that it's important for people. Like they wouldn't decorate their house with our signs still a year later if it wasn't meaningful to them. And, um, you know, I, I know that the, the psychic power of uplifting the city, even though you can't really quantify that, um, I do think it's really important and I'm, I'm always going to be happy that we are able to, to help with that. Hmm. One of the great things about Feed the Frontline is that you worked with local restaurants. It wasn't chains. It wasn't, you know, making prepackaged meals as you went and actually went to restaurants as in a way to save them on top of feeding all of like the extraordinary workers. Uh, one of your new initiatives, nolabean.com, I think touches on elements of that, but our, our favorite watering holes. Can you tell me a little bit about the inspiration for it, um, where things started with New Orleans bars as the you know, vaccine gets spread and as different restrictions get lifted, like what is the state of bars and, and why, why now for nolabean.com? Yeah. So it's, um, it's Nola bean coin. Nola bean coin. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, and basically what I'm good at is coming up with creative solutions and, um, figuring out different elements of our city that are struggling because of COVID. So I'm really focused on our culture because that's what makes New Orleans the city that it is. That's what distinguishes um, New Orleans from other places in the world. And when you think about our culture, it's the people and it's the institutions. And a lot of our culture bubbles up from the ground. Um, and a lot of it bubbles up from the neighborhoods. And a key part of that is the neighborhood bar, uh, especially Black-owned neighborhood bars, because these are places that host parade stops for second lines. And they're places uh, that host Mardi Gras Indian practices on Sunday nights in preparation for our carnival. And uh, Nola Beancoin is a way that we can basically create a support network for them right now without having to necessarily bring people to their bar. Um, so people can buy a Beancoin. Uh, they're not a, like a cryptocurrency or something uh, <laughs> digital. It's actually something that we're going to make using recycled glass. And we will mail them out to everybody and everyone who buys one today or until October 31st when we stop selling them 
we're basically able to take that money and give it to the bars up front as a prepaid drink. And that creates a lifeline for the bars because we're talking about neighborhood spots that probably don't have a team of lawyers and a team of accountants helping them get the government program, whatever it is. Um, And these are places that have spent the whole year not operating. So they're in heavy debt. Um, They're in many cases on the verge of closing forever. And if they close forever, then that's going to take away from New Orleans culture because that business would get bought up and renovated. And instead of it being, you know, a neighborhood bar that hosts and, uh, you know, helps create our city's culture, it'll just be like another bar. And that's the kind of stuff that we have to really fight for right now. We have to basically not take for granted our city and our culture. And Beancoin is a way that we can give the bars money today. And then everybody who buys a bean coin, they basically can redeem it next year. Uh, so it'll be worth $10. So they're giving us $10 today, which we give to the bars. And then they get to have their bean coin next year and sort of get their money back. Um, and it's just, you know, it creates a, a way that people can support where otherwise before, how do you support the neighborhood bar that you don't want to go to during a pandemic? You know, it. It's really smart, and I, you know, I think some of my f- most memorable, I guess, or maybe try to remember nights out have been in New Orleans, uh, and things that are absolutely unique to the city itself. I try to explain to people what a setup is, and people look at me <laughs> like I'm crazy. And then when I describe it to them, it's like, no, you go to a bar and you get a fifth of something and two cups and a bowl of ice, and then you just take the fifth with you when you're done. And they're like, what? And I was like, okay. Even as I say that, that sound thing, but it's so unique to this place. And I remember the first time I was in the Treme and got to do it. I was like, oh, this is like, I can only be in one place. I can only just be in one place. And that doesn't come if a place gets raised or something else takes over it. Um, Mm -hmm. And you need to have the dirt and the grime and the history in there to make a city of its place and of, of its memory. Yeah. And it's, it's really like these businesses are not necessarily run the most efficient modern way. So there's a, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a little bit of like a, a time capsule. And um, I just think that they're like so important to our city's culture. That's where the, the musicians start. That's where the parades get fostered at. That's really the community hubs. Um, so we've been able to support 10 bars so far. And, you know, we've- Shut identified them out. It. Call them out. Um, oh, okay. Uh, so Little People's Place is a hole in the wall in the Treme. Um, Kermit Ruffin's mother-in-law lounge in the Treme, uh, a bar called Bullets in the Seventh Ward that is really important for brass band music. Um, BJ's uh, lounge is one that we hope to give money to soon. They host like blues. Um, there's Avenue Pub, which is one of the best establishments in the city as far as like beer culture. Um, they don't necessarily play in in the culture realm, but they're important, I think, for like the drinking culture of the city. Um, DBA is a good music spot. Uh, Le Bon Temps Roulet is a good music spot. Um, I'm trying to think the other bars that we've given money to. Uh, one that is important for me is called Seals Class Act Lounge, which is in the Seventh Ward also, and that's the home bar of our crew. And, um, you know, that bar uh, run by Miss Seal was um, very close to having to go out of business. And, um, you know, I'm really happy if, if we accomplish nothing else, just like helping sustain that, that bar will make me happy at the end of the day. 
But um, we've identified 150 bars that are culturally important to New Orleans. And we've been able to support 10 so far. And we've got 140 more to go. So if anybody's listening and they've ever had a great experience drinking in one of our bars or they like our culture, you know, go buy a bean coin and help help us keep it going. Um, and. And for the nuts and bolts, um, how can people go and get the bean coins and and the timeline and and you're shipping it on January 6th for a very specific reason. So I'd love to understand like all of that. Yeah, it's um it's a funny, complicated thing. So mm-hmm. the 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 immediate cause is helping save the bars. But the long term thing is creating something that's sustainable that encourages uh, basically glass recycling and creates local jobs and creates a shop local campaign. So as people receive their bean coins, they can redeem those bean coins at different businesses in New Orleans. But our basic rule is it has to be a local business. So you can't spend your bean coin at Walmart or Subway or something like that. But hopefully you'll be able to buy a po'boy or buy a drink at one of the bars or support the musicians. And that bean coin will be valid from January 6th to Halloween. So it gives you a nice window when you can use it. And then after Halloween, we start over again. And so each year we can attach it to a public service, you know, supporting XYZ initiative. And then we're also really creating a shop local campaign that hopefully over time can also help us get rid of plastic Mardi Gras beads which is my real long-term goal is getting rid of those things because they just pollute our city and they're not sustainable and they're terrible for the world. Um, and bean coin could be like an alternative that would be more exciting basically than a plastic Mardi Gras bead. Because if you catch a bean coin, then great, I can spend it somewhere. It's worth $10. And it's a, I think something that'll be fun for people to give to their friends or buy for somebody as a gift or just give out to your coworkers or something like that. And every year we'll make sure that it does good for the city as well. And most people don't know uh, that the original Mardi Gras beads were made of glass. Yeah. And in our Mardi Gras, um, you know, traditions, we have some examples of like a value added products that is highly sought after. Uh, For example, there's a coconut that gets decorated with glitter and paint every year by the Zulu parade. And I mean, if you catch one of those things, it's like the greatest thing ever or a shoe, a heel, high heel shoe that gets glittered by the Muses crew. You know, these are things that are really special and important and they're locally made basically. And that's kind of the mindset that we have to really gravitate towards, I believe, is focusing on local stuff, local jobs, locally made, local support. Uh, So that's what it's all about. And, um, you know, in the short term, it's a way that we can support the bars and make sure that they have a cash flow right now as they struggle through the worst year ever. (laughs) We're going to take a quick musical break, play a song from our archives, and then we'll be back with Devin from Feed the Front Line, Nola Bean Coin, Feed the Second Line, and a number of other uh, uh, initiatives here on Snacky Tunes on HRN. So 
So I want to dedicate the the second segment to the second line and the feed the second line idea. Most people's understanding of second line is either something they've seen in a movie or they've heard about or maybe they've experienced um, just kind of in passing. But before we get to your initiative, if you can just educate people on what a second line is, the purpose of place in the community, why they were formed, and, and let's start there. Yeah, so a second line in New Orleans refers to a style of parade that has a brass band as the first line. And then the second line is the group of dancers, uh, which is normally the Social Aid and Pleasure Club. And these are um, they're organizations that have been around in New Orleans for over 140 years. And I think the traditions kind of go back to the Congo. Um, but it's essentially a mutual aid society that has an annual parade. And when they parade, they're wearing really sharp matching outfits. And they are the second line because they follow the first line, the band. But over time, this parade name has also sort of applied to the parade style as well. So it's both the, the members of the parade group it's also the parade and it's also the way of dancing too, um, which is, it's often called second lining. And um, it's the most common sort of moniker of any parade in New Orleans. And they typically happen on Sunday afternoons uh, in different neighborhoods. There's 42 parade organizations that are official for these things. And um, they're like the most marvelous experience that I believe you can have in our city. Uh, they're really special, and they're something that are created for the people, for locals, uh, really for the neighborhoods where these groups parade in. And um, they're just such a special tradition that we have in our city. One of the things you touched on earlier was the inequality um, of New Orleans. And so the social clubs, far as my understanding, is that they were formed as safety nets uh, for a lot of a lot of people. How does that still play into modern day? And, you know, in, in your findings, like while this, while they bring a lot of joy, um, what else do they provide for their community? Well, it's kind of a, a means of organizing people. So the members of these groups typically come from a neighborhood and they're typically multi-generational groups as well. So you might have like, my father was in this group and now I'm in it and my son is going to be in it one day. And they're really central, I think, to the African-American culture of New Orleans. And they're also really important for jazz music and for brass band music because they create a platform or an event, you know, to have these things. And every group um, has an annual parade and they work towards that parade. And when you talk to the members uh, of these of these groups and you talk to them about like the the meaning for them to have this parade, the way that it was explained to me recently that stuck with me was that it, it's something that you can really just release all of the bad that happened in your life for that year and just like lay it all out on the streets and just have this experience where it's like your parade and your parade day 
and you're just dancing your butt off and just laying it all out there. And then you have a crowd around you following along because, you know, go figure, you have like the most amazing live music with you, with the brass bands. And that's also something that I can relate to because I'm a parade organizer as well. And we do a walking parade that is sort of modeled after that. And, you know, having a parade or being part of a parade, it just, it brings a lot of meaning to your life. And um, it's one of the most special things about New Orleans, I think. How was this community impacted by COVID-19? Um, very much so. So a lot of New Orleans culture is made by regular people and it's made on the streets of our city. And when these groups parade or when the Mardi Gras Indians are out or the baby dolls, um, it's all these people that are part of creating culture and they never get paid for it. They cause they do it on the street and they're not selling tickets or anything like that. And a lot of the folks who make the culture, it comes from sort of the working class parts of our city. And if you know anything about new Orleans, it's like a place that's always had massive inequality. Um, you know, it's a place that was like a headquarters of slavery and then highly segregated. And it's just always been a very unequal place. And so there's a very strong correlation between our city's culture, which is basically, you know, created out of the African-American community and also a, a heavy correlation with inequality and a history of racism and, and all that stuff. So there's just a strong overlap between those two things, I believe. And if you love New Orleans culture, whether it's our music or our parading or our carnival, you know, you really have to love the people that make that stuff happen. And that's kind of our whole philosophy is loving the people and showing our love through food. Um, because over time that can have a big impact. So nuts and bolts, what is the concept behind feed the second line? So the concept is that if you love our culture, you join us and become a monthly donor. And it doesn't matter if you give five bucks or 20 bucks or a hundred bucks a month, whatever amount, it adds up really quickly. And then we take that money and we buy groceries for culture bears. So we talk to a parade organization and we say, who in your parade group is maybe needing some support? And so they'll self-identify people in their group. And then we can go to them and say, hey, you help create New Orleans culture. We love you. We appreciate you. We would like to buy your groceries as a, as a way to show our appreciation. And then we give them a shopping list and they pick out what they want. And then we go to Winn-Dixie and we buy their groceries and deliver it to their house. And the idea is that if we do that over and over and over again for folks, what we're really doing is saving them a bunch of money because you have to buy food. Like you cannot pay your light bill and the electricity can get shut off, but you need food. So you got to buy it at some point sooner or later. And if we buy it for you, then we're saving you money, which is almost as good as giving people money. So that's the first part of it. The second part is job creation, because we have to get really creative about how to pay people, how to create work for people in our city. Um, we are so tied to tourism and tourism and a pandemic don't mix very well. So everybody's lost their jobs here. And when we think about how can we create jobs, oh, we can hire musicians to go buy the groceries for the elders. So we pay musicians to go grocery shop. And then, you know, that creates extra money in their pocket. 
and helps them sustain and helps them get through the year of COVID as well. And those two things combined, they work really well together. Um, and we also hire uh, Mardi Gras Indians to make beadwork designs that we turn into T-shirts, which is another source of job creation because we're tapping into the skills that are in the community. So basically all that combined uh, this year, we've been able to buy $130,000 worth of groceries. Um, and we've been able to create you know, $300,000 worth of jobs. And that is all possible because of monthly donors, because people are like, yes, I like New Orleans culture. I'm going to sign up at feedthesecondline.org, give you a few bucks every month. And if we get enough people to do that, people who love New Orleans culture, then we can really make it so that the inequality of our culture isn't so bad. And, you know, we hate to think about a parade member or a musician or a baby doll or a big chief or spy boy getting evicted or not having food for their family. Like these are the things that, you know, we don't want to have happen. And it's a good way to create a safety net. So that's basically the nuts and bolts of it. That's some nuts and bolts. Um, Do you see this extending past COVID, past the vaccine, past restrictions being lifted? Yeah, definitely. Because we began Feed the Second Line worried about COVID. Like we didn't want these elders to go to the grocery store. And for me, it's really personal because of our parade group. Um, Every year we've paraded with the Treme Brass Band and the leader of the band is Mr. Benny Jones, who's like the nicest human you'll ever meet. And he's just such an important figure uh, culturally for our city. So I didn't want him to have to go to the grocery store. And I didn't want Al Carnival Time Johnson, our grand marshal, to go to the grocery store. So at first, this was a way to kind of keep them safe, to take care of their groceries. But when you think big picture and you think about the history of New Orleans and the inequality of the city, then we should do everything we can to support our city's culture and make it so that the people who create the culture um, aren't living in poverty, basically. You know, they're the basis of our whole tourism economy here. And we have to get creative and figure out ways that we can really support them and show the appreciation that so many people have of their culture. And so we're just trying to build it up and keep it going so that it's not just a COVID response, but that it's long-term something that really makes New Orleans a better version of itself. I know you mentioned four initiatives. We've covered two. (laughs) (laughs) So impressive. Well, um, very quickly, um, what are the other uh, projects that you're working on for people who want to get involved or or just find more ways to support the city? Yeah, so um, the other ones, we, during Carnival, created something called Hire a Mardi Gras Artist, where we crowdfunded and put laid-off float builder artists back to work, but decorating people's houses. And um, that initiative uh, created uh, basically uh, 48 jobs and raised $330,000, which we spent to make 23 really, really amazing house floats. And this was sort of the way that New Orleans dealt with Carnival this year. We, we poured all of our energy into house decorations um, because it was a way that was just inspiring and uplifting and incredibly beautiful and a way that we could safely express our Carnival uh, this year. Uh, so that was an initiative. And um, in the long term, we hope to create a nonprofit float building company uh, that operates inside of the crew of red beans um, that we're going to call Tableau. And the purpose of that is going to 
again, uplift working conditions and the workers, the artists, you know, because they never really get paid well or recognized. They're kind of hidden away in the shadows and that industry is really cutthroat. Um, and, you know, there's Feed the Second Line, there's Nola Bean Coin. We had Feed the Front Line. Uh, we did a couple COVID things. Uh, we helped get uh, people vaccinated using the extra doses. Uh, so we've just been really busy any which way that we can help. <laughs> we've been trying to figure it out and just come up with solutions that are a little bit outside of the box. And uh, we're going to try to keep that going, you know. Uh, incredible. Well, well, Devin, it is really, really good to talk to you one year later um, and to see a smile on your face and just feel, uh, as you said, the the slivers of joy inside of hope uh, that is emanating from you Uh where can our listeners find you, support you, follow you, share share what you're working on? How do they get a hold of this? Definitely. And uh, we appreciate all the support, all the love that comes from around the country uh, and around the world. So people can go to feedthesecondline.org and sign up to be a monthly donor. If you love New Orleans culture, boom, join us. Help us sustain it and grow it. Uh, help us build that safety net. If you love the bars of New Orleans, then go to nolabeancoin.com, buy yourself a bean coin and support the local bar. And uh, if you just like supporting the general gist of what we do, then crewofredbeans.com or crewofredbeans.org, I should say. And uh, we're going to work to you know keep it going and keep finding creative ways to support our city because uh, we love it here. We're stuck here. Uh, we don't want to be anywhere else. And so I think it's up to us to try to make a better version of New Orleans. I find it so easy to buy yourself a future drink in New Orleans. Like as yeah. a promise for a trip. <laughs> like it's this should be everyone's uh, birthday, anniversary, holiday gifts. Uh, Devin, thank you so much. Uh, we are going to take another quick musical break, play something from our archives, and we'll be back with the second half of Snacky Tunes here on HRN.
This episode is brought to you by Kermit Lynch Wine Merchant, an importer, retailer, and wholesaler of fine wine from France and Italy, headquartered in Berkeley, California. In 1972, Kermit Lynch opened a retail shop in Berkeley, California with a $5,000 loan and a bit of gumption. He started with just 35 cases of wine stacked on the floor. Kermit grew his business from a retailer into a wholesaler and a national importer of wines from France and Italy. These wines are produced by small family growers who are committed to the old world traditions and culture. It is Kermit's belief that great wine is made in the vineyard, not the cellar. Much like his close friends, the late food writer Richard Olney and Chez Panisse's founder Alice Waters, Kermit's influence has been enduring. He has spent nearly half a century shining the spotlight on small artisan producers. Learn more at KermitLynch.com. K-E-R-M-I-T-L-Y-N-C-H.com. Yeah. Uh, so, Tippy Toes, welcome. Welcome. Yes. Abe and Morgan. Morgan, oh, yeah. your second time on Snacky Tunes? Yeah, number two. By the, by the way, by far, that Midnight Magic performance was like one of the all-time bests in I think studio. Was, uh, thanks. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. How much, it was really fun. Yeah, we really crammed it in here. Yeah, that was also like the most members, I think, uh, for there. Mm-hmm. And Abe, welcome. Long-time yeah. listener, first time. Probably yeah, yeah. never listened before. That's okay. <laughs> no, Name your favorite it. episode, quick. Just kidding. Oh, Just say Magic. Minda Magic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so why don't you guys give uh, a little background on Tippy Toes? Because for anyone who knows you guys, it's been like in the making for... A long time, and it's it's yeah. grown and shrunk member wise. Grown and shrunk member wise. It yeah. actually the very first inception was just Morgan and I working on tracks together, and then it grew with Guy Licata. Shout out to Guy, um, Papa Guy, Papa Guy, and yeah. then with Andrew Raposo. Slap at a bass. This is all mm-hmm. during the. He's the part Hercules. of that uh, pregnant pause, right? He is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. And uh, and then lo and behold. Reggie Watts out of nowhere 
Um, past guests as well. Yeah. And uh, also your favorite episode. Yes. Yeah. Second, yeah. Well, first hard favorite. To beat, I think Midnight Magic might be my second favorite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> band <laughs> over. No one can fuck with Reggie. Man. No man. Reggie is <laughs> just watching him work. Is, if you uh, go back to our archives, you can find it. He. Uh, it's pretty amazing. He does like three, just you know, three new tracks. And the middle one just just is like raps about pizza and internet radio, and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, well, it's just amazing that he already had a song written about pizza and internet yeah. radio. Oh, that was off the top of his head. Yeah, yeah. that's the way Constant his brain flow. works. So how? So you worked with Reggie? I remember seeing that sh- uh, Brooklyn Bowl show, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, we did some stuff at Brooklyn Bowl. We used to do these shows that at the, at the time was called the Lucky Cat. And, shout uh, out to Lucky Cat. Shout Bre- out to Lucky Cat. Ex Brewer Falls, now something victory. Something. Crown victory? No, no, no. Crown Vic is uh, the yeah. other one. No. Grand Victory. Grand yeah. Victory. Grand Victory. Thanks, Joe. But it was an awesome group. We never never rehearsed. Beautiful. Ever. And that was the only way that it could exist. Was that the magic? <laughs> and that was the magic. Yeah, we jam- it was a jam band. Yeah, it was a jam band. It was an organized jam band, basically. Uh, can we use another term than jam band? No. No, no? Yeah. <laughs> you can't dictate how a band. It was a non them. a non rehearsed band. We can ask them not to play live, but they can still. So say how would, how would how would that well, work? So, okay. Well, the same way that yeah. Reggie, he, he's just a, he's one of the best. Like we're gonna actually come from jazz school, and uh, I've always been a fan of improvised music. And uh, but Reggie is one of the uh, best improvisers I've ever dealt with. In the fact that he can improvise lyrics, just as you were just talking about. Yeah. Like he didn't plan that he was. He was like, no, oh, pizza but, radio. But, He'd make a song about this pair of headphones right now, you know, off the top of his head. Literally, there was like a half-eaten calzone and like a knife on top of it, and he just like sang about that. And I was like, "This is better than most songs I've ever yeah. heard." Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he would make <laughs> dear band. <laughs> Sorry, what <laughs> Reggie Watts though. spits out yeah. is better than well, Monday afternoon entire... in the back of a pizza place. <laughs> so, so you guys come from an improv jazz background. Yes. A lot of scatting. You guys have a lot of scatting. A lot of scat sessions. A lot of scat. A little beep bop booing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, you know, and and we try to so that that in the way that sort of spirit is still connected to what we're doing now. That lineup never being able to rehearse, never able to really record because everyone's schedule is like it's just fragment. I mean, Reggie's obviously off doing his own thing. You know, Morgan's doing the Midnight Magic. Guy's gone on to work extensively with Sam Sparrow, right? And, um, and fatherhood, and fatherhood, and uh, so. It just all kind of shattered. And after that, actually, I, I just went very serious in the studio work and worked for DFA for a while. Um, that up and started a label. Heard a lot of good things about DFA. <laughs> yeah. well, I worked at their studio when, when James was on the road um, for, their, for their last tour. And uh, then it all kind of worked out that I was next door to Morgan on, on Greenpoint Avenue with our studios. And having collected lots of synth gear, seeing like, oh, you know, this drum machine works well with this synth, and I think we could do this live. And so... We got some serious gear in the studio. We right have now. a lot of gear. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see you work that gear. Yeah, let's, let's, work let's it. hear a song. What are yeah. you guys going to play first? Or do these songs have names now? They do have names. Okay. I mean, so so there is some stuff that's pre-programmed in here, but we are going to be improvising on those sort Ooh. of loops of things. This might be mm-hmm. our first jam session. Anything could happen. Nice. Anything, Anything could happen. <laughs> Anything. If you guys want to get involved, you know, just yeah. jump in there. No. no. Um, <laughs> if, if your initials are THC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So what's the, fir- what's the first jam we're going to hear? We're, we're going to do... Uh, it's it's part of a remix we did for a band called Little Daylight. Okay. Um, that's done well for us, and we, you know, so it's kind of the instrumental of that. 
Mm-hmm. Wait, is that where we're starting with? Yeah, we're starting yeah, with yeah totally. We'll start with that one. And uh, so, yeah, Little Daylight, the song called Overdose. Ooh, but it's our version. So many drug references on this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's our interpreted <laughs> remix. Or our interpretation of our own remix. Is it called the Double. Free Jam remix? The Free Jam remix. <laughs> the free one. The free one. <laughs> double remix? Double remix. Like double a double remix. boiler, but no. for remixes. Oh, boo. All right, get up. why don't you get up there? Yeah. Why don't you synth me? <laughs> synth me into submission. Uh, all right, we have uh, Tippy Toes live on Snacky Tunes.
Nice. Rad. Electro jam. <laughs> so when did you guys go from not practicing... Uh, to practicing, yeah. To we like, never really started practicing to lock stuff thing. in. To lock, yeah. I mean, the uh, uh, yeah, with this stuff, it was like kind of like let's set up these you know pieces of gear, drum machines, and synths, and see how they interact with each other, and and you know the the gear itself because we don't use a computer or a laptop or anything like that, so it, it kind of sets a, a you know a creative limitation for us to work within. And um, in some ways, the that def- defines the process of what we do a bit. I don't know if that makes any sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, also, you have unbelievable training that you can just probably follow each other's instincts. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, we kind of set up certain rules. I mean, it's like if you listen to any dance track, you know, the form of a dance track... Something's going to change every eight or sixteen bars. <laughs> Guaranteed. Otherwise, the people stop dancing. Yeah, and, and it gets it. bigger and it comes down. And like we didn't talk when we just played that. Sometimes we have to yell at each other a little bit more during a live set. But like you know, we try to eye contact, eye contact. Eye you know, absorb absorb with the the sort of you know language of the music and and then you just kind of feel where it should go. Obviously, you know, facing a, a wood wall in a radio show, <laughs> you're not feeling where to go maybe as much as when there's, you know, a bunch of people. Hey, man, don't blame it on us. You're the professional. Yeah. <laughs> don't blame. Don't, don't come into our house. But, it, but it, felt, it felt good. I don't know how long that was. Yeah, we have no idea. Oh, it was long that. enough. All right, guys. No, I'd say that was like... Form, and you could feel like when that, you know, when it had time to end. I mean, and obviously it's easier as it's just two of you as opposed to five guys. Oh, sure, mm. sure, sure. Do you guys ever cook together? Do you guys ever improv jam in the kitchen the same way? We mm. eat lunch together a lot. What do you yeah. guys, what do you, what's, what's your lunch? You guys cooking or you guys going out? We're going out. Yeah. We look like Estella we're cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, Estella, man. It's the best <laughs> spot of, you know, the best lunch spot. <laughs> the wine list, amazing. Yeah. Nailed it. Uh, what, what, what's your go-to spot for lunch? Well, we're on Greenpoint Avenue, so uh, we go to Red Star to watch sport highlights. Okay. That happens. Lugamon is great. Um, Miss Kim's. Miss Kim's, Kim's is, good. is super solid. Have you eaten at that place that has the two um, full like uh, suits of armor out front? No. Oh, yeah. That's, like, that's the one on, uh, on yeah. Manhattan. That's the one on Manhattan. Is that what it's called? Oh, do they have turkey legs? No, you go to uh, no, no. no it's, very, it's very Polish. It's really good. Yeah, that spot is. I've heard good things. About like it, no. it's just one of those you like you look it off because the suits of armor, but like just <laughs> you know, it's not inviting. No, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> but we went in and like just you know, it was great. Just really good, not that expensive, and just like really solid like Polish food. Mm-hmm. Hey, the Polish. I mean, the Polish was great. We go to Karzma a lot, and they're all. It's like Renaissance fair in there. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, they have you a know. wishing well in the middle of their restaurant. No, that yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> What's it going around in wishing wells these days? It's still, is it a penny, a quarter? Yeah, you can't put a penny in there. You can't? No way. There's no dollars way. in there. Yeah, it's up. Fanny is up. I don't know when they clean that thing out or what the rule is on that. They clean it on the 30th for rent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't right. put pennies in a wishing well anymore? I don't know. I don't, I don't put it I just came up with that rule. I don't know. Yeah, I could I like be wrong. Yeah. I feel like it's anything. No? No. Throw, yeah. throw chicken wings in there from Red Star. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you guys want to do another jam? Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, what are you going to play next? What are you going to improv? I think we're really going to improv now. Yeah, yeah. This, we're going deep. <laughs> this is deep territory. We call this going off the grid. Yeah. Oh, shit. Is, so that, an official, is that an official jazz turn? Uh, no. <laughs> no, that's a Pro Tools term. It's a Pro Tools term. <laughs> I, wish, uh, I wish that was a theory class at Jazz U. Yeah, off, off the, the grid. grid. Jazz U? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Static 201 and off the grid. You know, Jazz U versus Jazz College is a huge rap- rivalry. Huge. Oh, yeah. Huge rivalry. Yeah, Bunch yeah. of nerds trying to play basketball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then don't even talk about Jazz State. Those oh, no, that's where yeah. the real shit happens. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they have, they have the hot girls, though. It's always yeah. state schools. And Jazz CC, <laughs> Community College. Community College. Hey, you go yeah. there for two years, wind up at Jazz U. No one ever knows. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, enough on that riff. Uh, let's hear some real music. <laughs> riffing all over. Yeah. yeah. Scatting on these jokes. All right, so we're going off the grid with Tippy Toes here on Snacky Tunes. Thank you. 
Amazing. Off the Grid. Is that the official uh, title of that song? That's what it's called. Yeah. That's what it's called. Off yeah. the G. <laughs> Off the G. That's so, where you guys live. Exactly. Darren, man. what's up? Well done. No problem. I like the uh, style right now. That yeah, you are <laughs> like really. Just, we dude, put you in a mood, dude. Right I'm just, now. I'm, I'm, I'm maxing. I got a belly full of pizza. <laughs> listening yeah. to Space Jams. Uh, so the EP is coming out on Let's Play House. How did mm-hmm. that come about? By the way, it's awesome. I have it here in my hands. Yeah, you're holding good, it. Good colors too. Yeah. Do you get to pick the colors? No, we don't no, get to pick just, covers. Yeah, just, That's their cover, all that stuff. Nick and Jacques. Nick and Jacques. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we had some stuff, some tracks going we're psyched about, and we just uh, reached out to Jacques. You know, Jacques and Night Magic have a strong connection. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and actually, Nick just randomly was at one of our shows. Oh, yeah, that was the other thing. So it kind of all happened. Yeah, Nick, we, Nick saw was us Was that play. the one at uh, Pug Assembly? It, yeah, yeah, well, upstairs. The loft. Upstairs. Yeah, the yeah. loft. I was also there. Oh, well, there oh, you nice. go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Here yeah. we are. So that's kind of yeah. how it started, yeah. Because I was at the show? Because you were at the show, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they said, oh, shit. Me, you're like, this is some shit, man. There's a breathless in the crowd. Yeah. Sign this band. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sign them. This must be good. This must be good. <laughs> or there's free whiskey. Um, <laughs> so so that's how you get So it's out. It's, and it's, it's out. On, it's on... Vinyl? Am it's I on vinyl, that? yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah, it's on vinyl. <laughs> on vinyl, vinyl. Uh, Beatport, Juno Records uh, for digital. Number one with a bullet? Number one with the bullet. I don't know what that is. Number so one t- with a bullet? Top of the Beatport charts. Oh. Mm. Yeah, not there. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, we don't even know what it, that means. After this radio show, After though. this radio show, <laughs> easily <laughs> five five more fans. Sales yeah. 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 Sales go triple. Yeah. <laughs> We tripled your sales. Stack it to proven to triple your sales. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If you guys see any uptick uh, in any success. We'll take you out to dinner. Yeah. And where are we going? Where are we going to go for that? I know where we're going. Uh, So what are the summer plans? What are you guys going to do? Going to Columbia. Yeah, we're going to be going to Columbia. Are you serious? Yeah. uh, We've actually performed in Bogota a couple times. And uh, we love Bogota. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Amazing food, actually. Man, yeah, love oh, yeah. Food what are you excited to eat down there? Everything. Uh, I've been there three, and he's been there twice. Yeah. And um, we just uh, got with these good group of guys. They love having us come play their club. And um, uh, but yeah, the food we eat there. Uh, I mean, what's that one potato? Oh, they are. What's that soup Waka. No. Uh, <laughs> what's the what's the the soup from Bogota? It's like kind of a potato based yeah, soup uh, with corn. Yeah, I know. It's called uh, oh man, I never remember what it is. But you can only get it in Bogota because they have these particular potatoes there that grow at a certain elevation. Oh, you go there, you realize everything grows in Bogota all what? year round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everything's just so fresh. It's like you get any normal food, and it's like there's no you know there's no seasons. You're on the equator, and it's just like... Do you bring down the whole setup, or do you just DJ when you're down there? We do, we, we'll do. we usually do both. We'll do a live set, and we'll do a DJ set, uh, maybe at two different venues. A mm-hmm. uh, little double dip, I like it. Yeah. A little double dip, we'll try to double dip. Yeah. dip and, uh, <laughs> and then this time, we're going to try and hit up a couple other cities in Colombia. Nice. So That's awesome. That I, I don't want to butcher the pronounce, how to pronounce that. That's fine. Cali. Cali, I can do that one. Great. Yeah. <laughs> the one that starts with M. Yeah. Go ahead, Morgan, keep going with the names of the cities. Medellin, maybe? There we go. Medellin, yeah. you know. 
Katerina visited, hopefully we'll visit it again. I've been there once to visit. But DJing there is a little trickier because it's more of a tourist area. Hey, man. So, but there's an island. We want to DJ that. It's at San Andres. San Andres. That's where we want to go. That's where we're talking about, yeah. yeah. Ignacio, you're going to go down and be the private chef? Yeah, yeah. They're taking their food here. Yeah, they take their. Food Maybe we'll seriously. just move this whole operation to Bogota for yeah. a tour. You know. Yeah, we'll just uh, put this. You guys will show the restaurant and just say you went to Bogota, <laughs> and, then, uh, yeah. and then we'll just kind of can't quit our jobs and we'll just uh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So where uh, where can people get the record? Where, where can people find you? I already or... told you. Well, Turntable Labs has the record in stock at store. That's oh, so you get the vinyl. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Yes. Do you get free uh, MP3 downloads when you buy the vinyl? No. Talk to Nick. <laughs> we'll, we'll call him after this. We'll tell him it's 2013. It's yeah. all very cheap. Actually, the, you, actually, you can get it on iTunes as well. It's four bucks awesome. on iTunes. Or you can just have them on the show and you get it for free. There, well, yeah. there you go. There you go. Hey, guys. You want to know how to get free music? Start a radio show. There you go. Yep. That's, you the, go. Real, that's yeah. the real thing. So how can people find you on the internet? Um... I think the most important thing is actually SoundCloud, okay. and that's just soundcloud.com slash tippytoes. Ooh, so you got tippytoes. Got tippytoes. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm actually surprised it's such a good band name and that it wasn't taken. There wasn't some, like, you know, kids band, you know, some like, creepy four-year-olds who sing to kids at, well, like, Wyoming. There is maybe one kids band with an I as tippytoes, but if you, if you Google Let's Play House tippytoes, there is a Brooklyn. playhouse company that makes things for kids oh <laughs> <laughs> oh this is not a joke this is not this a is joke some real creepy this stuff is some, it is, is a creepy website it's maybe like, you guys should sell like bounce house with like tippy toe music well i think we can get a playhouse as part of our live setup mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> yeah uh, uh great so uh why don't you guys take us out with uh one more track cool yeah We're gonna uh, do that. which one is gonna be this one's gonna be from the ep and it'll be the naughty tip the naughty tip Anyway, thanks for being on. Yeah, absolutely. Thank, Thank you for to Ignacio and Thomas. And, uh, go it, eat at the restaurant, go listen to the album. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back next week with an you episode won't. of Second Tones. Yeah, I won't, but you will. I'll be here. Yeah. Have fun in Paris. You, you look like that, stretched out. <laughs> no, when you're not here, I gotta be super formal. Okay. I, I'm glad that when I'm here, you just like drop right this down. This girl is doing everything <laughs> yeah. she can not to look at you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's on a date. She's like, just stay on my phone. Yeah. Stay on my phone. Yeah. I flew all the way from Wisconsin, and there was this guy in short shorts lounging, <laughs> trying to eat pizza. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Why don't you, you take us out? Take, take us out. out. Naughty yeah. dip. Naughty, Naughty dip. dip. Here we go. Live with Sagatoons. See you next week. Greg Heffron in France.
Talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.